0: Welcome to Whiskey and Lemon, I am your host, Lana Mercedes. Two weeks ago, we discussed the popular five apology languages and what things to keep in mind when apologizing and communicating effectively. We also went over some tips on how not to apologize as well as how to do so properly. And we do a recap on my eight effective ways to enhance our communication strategies. Last week we went into detail on the five apology languages explained by authors Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas. We cover how the authors lay out each language spoken and why they are important to the person apologizing as well as the person receiving the apology. Which apology language do you relate to most? Do you know your partner's friends and closest relatives apology styles? If you did not hear those episodes I highly recommend that you go back and listen to those First, as they are part one and two of this three-part apology style series. In today's episode, we will be diving into why we apologize, what our languages are, and how to overcome not receiving an apology. There are a lot of different views on apologies. Some people feel you should apologize even when you're not sorry, simply because the person receiving the apology has been wronged and you don't want them to hurt. Some people feel that you should only apologize if you feel you actually did something wrong, because otherwise it is insincere. Then there's that sweet spot in the middle where communication is key. The words I am sorry may or may not be needed based on the apology language spoken by the person that was wronged. What is key for some is understanding why something was done, and on the other side, the offender can apologize that their actions caused pain. It's not apologizing that someone is feeling something, insinuating that you don't control that person's feelings, but simply that you are sorry for the fact that something you said or did affected someone negatively. Several behavioral specialists agree that refusing to ever apologize is one of the most common ways in which you risk losing your relationship. This goes back to last episode when we discussed the apology language of genuinely repenting. The book also states that many people have problems with repenting, when they do not feel as though their actions were morally wrong. But it goes on to state that in a healthy relationship, we often make changes that have nothing to do with morality and everything to do with building a harmonious relationship. We apologize because it is a stress reliever for all parties involved. It shows that your ego doesn't always need to be at the forefront of all your choices, that your self-confidence isn't being held up by the refusal to apologize. That you can choose peace over being right all of the time. Not only is apologizing good for the person you may have wronged, but it is good for you. As we discussed in the last episode, the five apology languages have similarities and vast differences. But one thing that they do have in common is that they are types of apologies. Although some may feel that they do not need an apology, it is important to know that no one wants to be walked over, and an apology is a form of respect. Being well-versed in apology languages will help you to develop the skills to apologize when necessary. Taking these steps will help you to develop stronger relationships, decrease conflict, and it will play a pivotal role in both parties moving on from a disagreement more effectively and efficiently. It can foster connection between the parties in conflict, communication lines are opened, and it helps one person to be vulnerable in their feelings and the other to be vulnerable by offering an apology. By doing this, we allow safety for both parties. Defenses should be down in a disagreement. Then guards have come down and the offender feels safe to admit their mistakes, and the offended can feel safer and may be more willing to trust again. It also allows open dialogues of boundaries. Whether new ones must be set or it could be a chance for the offender to reiterate the boundaries, making it known they crossed those boundaries and that they will be more cognizant of their behavior in the future. With that said, it is very important that your apology is still genuine. You do not want to make promises to not repeat behavior that is beyond your control or promise to do things that you sincerely do not feel you can do. If you go this route, you are essentially just stating that you agree the behavior is wrong, but that you are not willing to put in the work to make the changes to not re-offend. Be honest with yourself that there could be some challenges along the way to prevent said behavior from reoccurring. If you truly feel it is wrong and hurtful to the offended, then you should take the necessary steps to work on the behavior for the good of the relationship. Psychology today states, Apology is not just a social nicety. It is an important ritual, a way of showing respect and empathy for the wronged person. It is also a way of acknowledging an act that, if otherwise left unnoticed, might compromise the relationship. Apology has the ability to disarm others of their anger and to prevent further misunderstandings. While an apology cannot undo harmful past actions, If done sincerely and effectively, it can undo the negative effects of those actions. USA Today provides a few reasons as to why apologizing is so hard. They state that there are many reasons why apologizing can feel difficult and why many of us do it so poorly. Number one, we want to deny the hurt we have caused because it challenges or changes the way we see ourselves. Number two, we worry that if we take responsibility for one thing, it will result in our having to take responsibility for everything. Number three, we haven't had a role model who can show us how to apologize or normalize the practice. And number four, we struggle to overcome our pride. They also go on to state that some of us struggle to offer sincere apologies, so we make insincere non-apologies. Apologies are not phrases like, it's not my fault, you can't control your feelings, you're blowing this out of proportion, that's not what I meant. You always take things so personally. You're so sensitive. Let's just forget about it. I don't deserve you. Get over it. I only said that because of what you did. I'm sorry, but I love you. Maybe that's what you heard in your head, but I didn't say that. It's not my fault you feel, insert emotion, and it was just a joke. These types of deflections simply draw attention away from the matter at hand and is an attempt the offender uses to absolve themselves of any responsibility. This isn't the route to go, this will not bring resolution, and it will only offend the hurt party even more. Ultimately, it is up to you to choose whether or not you want to apologize, but if you want to maintain a virtuous relationship with the person you wronged, this would not be the route to go. Again, to learn your apology language, your partner's, or someone else's, visit 5 Love Languages, that's the number 5, lovelanguages.com, and click on quizzes. Lastly, I want to touch on how to overcome not receiving an apology. For starters, trust me, I know it's not always easy. And overcoming not receiving an apology does not necessarily mean that you are not wronged. However, to overcome an apology, you must forgive. Holding a grudge is probably harming you more than it is the person that wronged you. Forgiving also doesn't mean re-entry into your life. You can forgive in your heart and remain separated from someone that wronged you. Forgiveness is defined as the action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. Forgiving, as in you are the one doing the forgiving. You going through that process on your own can be just as valuable. This doesn't take away from or invalidate the pain you are feeling. And it certainly does not mean that you do not deserve the apology. The American Psychological Association, also known as APA, defines forgiveness as willfully putting aside feelings of resentment toward an individual who has committed a wrong, been unfair, or hurtful, or otherwise harmed one in some way. APA states that forgiveness is not equated with reconciliation or excusing another, and it is not merely accepting what happened or ceasing to be angry. Rather, it involves a voluntary transformation of one's feelings, attitudes, and behavior toward the individual so that no one is longer dominated by resentment and can express compassion, generosity, or the like, which could also imply remaining neutral, toward the individual. Forgiveness is sometimes considered an important process in psychotherapy or counseling. You know it is time to forgive when any of the following apply. You already want to move on from the situation— You're dwelling on the situation and beginning to resent the person that wronged you, and or the situation is clouding your mind, affecting your judgment, or causing you anxiety. Dr. Everett Worthington provides an example of abuse. A victim should not allow an abuser who remains dangerous to re-enter their lives. However, the victim can still come to a place of empathy and forgiveness. So, my first quote for you this week is the point Worthington makes. Whether I forgive or not isn't going to affect whether justice is done. Forgiveness happens inside my skin. And a quote by Dr. Lauren Toussaint, you don't have to be the world's most forgiving person. If you work at it, it takes the edge off the stress, and ultimately, that helps you feel better. Again, I appreciate every single one of you listening and sharing this podcast with your family and friends. As always, I hope this information was helpful for you. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, Please subscribe and make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.